1: Welcome back to another episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm not Alex. Uh, He couldn't be with us again. He's got a big boy job. Uh, But I am your host tonight, Holt, running up the point. And uh, out on the wing is uh, my good friend, the tender king of Memphis, JB. JB, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well, Holt. Uh,
2: I know we're both uh, missing Alex tonight, but like you said, he's doing a big boy job. And it's up to us to uh, carry on, you know, for Mr. (laughs) Bullshit.
1: That's exactly right. You know, sometimes when, uh, when you have an adult job, you can't, you know, do podcasts and stuff, you, you know, you got to work late and it's hard to get three people all together at the same time, but you know, we'll, uh, we'll hustle through this show pretty quick. I know, uh, all of y'all out there got some stuff to do. I know JB's got some stuff to do, so I wish I had some stuff to do, but I'm, I'm pretty, there's not a lot going on these days, but, uh, anyway, we'll go ahead and, uh, we'll get this out of the way first. Um. Actually, you know what? Let me run down what we're going to talk about real quick. So, obviously, we're going to talk about all the SEC teams that made the Sweet 16 and how they did. Um, then we're going to talk a little bit about the coaching searches. We're going to talk about um, John Calipari getting the lifetime contract at uh, Kentucky. And then we'll finish up with some rapid fire. And I may be forgetting something, but we'll kind of just make it up as we go, like we like to do here. But uh, that being said, JB, I know you want to just go ahead and get this out of the out away as quick and as pain-free as possible so you can just forget about it and not have to talk about it anymore. But your Tennessee Volunteers do fall in the Sweet 16 uh, to Purdue. They fell behind uh, pretty big in the first half, but were able to come back in the second half. They uh, had a lead late, and there was a, a rough foul call and a three-point shot when Tennessee was up two. Uh, the last few seconds, and Purdue was able to tie the game. Uh, They go to overtime, and they lose to Purdue. Uh, What are your thoughts on Tennessee balls?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you look back at that game, uh, there's a lot of things that Tennessee did in that game that, you know, that pretty much cost them the game, namely at the free throw line. I mean, you can't shoot less than 50% and expect to win games, especially in March. And when you shoot uh, you know, that kind of percentage of, at the line, like especially when you're one of the better free throw shooting teams in the country, it's, it's, it's highly unacceptable. Like if you make your free throws, you're not in the position at the end of the game in which you force the officials to make a foul call. I mean, granted, I don't think that uh that Lamonte Turner really fouled Purdue, but he still stepped in his lane and didn't give him much breathing room. And it kind of forced the officials hand there to make the call. I mean, in that kind of situation, I prefer the officials to swallow the whistle. I don't care who's shooting. If Tennessee was the team shooting, I, I would prefer them to swallow the whistle. I just think you don't make calls in the situation to decide the games. But here we are. I mean, you, you made two of the three free throws, you know, pushed it to overtime. And Purdue just pretty much dominated that overtime. time. Tennessee didn't really have an answer.
1: And it's, that's just the way it goes. It's March. Right. And um, what are your thoughts on uh, – Rick Barnes and Tennessee going forward. Obviously, they lose Admiral mm-hmm. Schofield and uh, I believe a couple other guys. So, what what's the future looking like for uh, Tennessee? Well, for sure, uh, we got Admiral Schofield
2: and Kyle Alexander. Both of them are graduating. Uh, it's up in the air uh, after that on who else they might lose. Uh, Grant Williams and Jordan Bone are both potential NBA prospects. Uh, for most mock drafts, I'm saying for Grant Williams, he's projected anywhere from the uh, – late first round into the middle, second round. And then Jordan Bones, mainly a second rounder. So if I had to go ahead and guess, I think Jordan Bone will be back next year along with uh, Jordan Bowden, Lamonte Turner, and a few other rotational guys. The one that's kind of 50-50 is Grant Williams. If I had to trust my guts, I think Grant Williams will be back because I think the feedback he's going to get is that he's going to have to improve his perimeter game, especially his perimeter defense and perimeter shooting to be more of a, a stretch guy in the NBA at the next level. So I think he's going to get the kind of the kind of feedback I think he's going to get is, is what I just mentioned. And also that I think most uh, scouts are going to probably project him as a second rounder. And with that kind of information and then talking over with his family, I think he'll ultimately remain, but still, like I said, it's up in the air.
1: Right. And, um, Grant Williams strikes me as the I don't have any inside information or anything. He strikes me as the kind of guy who is going to want to come back and uh, and try to lead the team next year. Um, he just seems like that kind of guy to me that would that would put off a year in the NBA to come back and uh, do something for his team. What do you think?
2: Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he definitely kind of strikes you as a Tyler Hansbrough, JJ Redick kind of guy or Grayson Allen, like those kind of guys that stay all four years and play all four years in college. Like that's. I I mean, I really think he enjoys the college experience. He's highly intelligent. He's on track to graduate, I think, in three years. So it'll be this May. I think he's supposed to graduate, so he'll already have his degree. So if he comes back another year, he can just start working on his master's, which I'm sure his mother would love him to do. But, you know, it's definitely going to have a big factor on how good Tennessee can be next year. If Grant Williams and Bone and everybody comes back, then I think there's still going to be a top five, top ten team next year. And and in contention, you know, to be a major contender next year in March. But if Grant Williams leaves and Bone comes back, you're probably flirting with talking about a top 15, top 20 team. Probably not a threat to make it to the Final Four win a national championship is still a quality team, but not as good as this year's team.
1: Right. And uh, moving on to the other SEC team who got knocked out um, in the Sweet 16, that would be LSU falling to Michigan State, 80-63. to 63. Um, I actually didn't get to watch much of this game, so I hope that you did. But uh, it didn't really seem like LSU was in the game at all. It seemed like mm-hmm. Michigan State pretty much controlled it the whole way through. They did. I mean, it's it's really just the fact – the biggest thing I
2: thought about going into this game is that <laughs> Michigan State has its coach, LSU doesn't. And it's – I don't want to, you know, put down – Uh, the LSU's interim coach whatsoever like I don't want to put him down but you know it's hard to go against Tom Izzo in March he's one of the best and when you don't have your head coach you know that definitely makes a difference in my opinion especially with an inexperienced team that LSU has but they are highly talented and it's just Michigan State had control from the get-go and it's kind of hard to recover from that with an inexperienced team and Michigan State controlled from, from the first tip from the beginning of tip and LSU did make a run at the beginning of the second half where they cut it to seven, but ultimately Michigan State was in control and they ultimately advanced. And of course, you know, in the next game, they ended up beating Duke in a thriller. But it's it's March, and Izzo to me is the best coach in March. He has always been my favorite, and
1: they're a threat. Right. And um, obviously, there hasn't really been anything new on the whole Will Wade situation, uh, I don't believe. But uh, what is like, what's kind of your outlook? going forward for, for LSU? I mean, ultimately,
2: I think that uh, Will Wade is probably going to be let go. I don't know when it's, when it's going to happen, when Joe is going to pull the trigger. But, I mean, all signs be pointing that he won't be back next year. I mean, I think we're all going to wait and see what the FBI does. And that's the worst thing is that I don't think Oliva is going to make a decision until the FBI hearings are over. And by then, the coaching carousel is going to be almost over at, th- at that point. So I don't know what kind of candidates that LSU may target. At that point, I mean, you're probably going to have to get somebody from the uh, lower levels, you know, not a Division two, but, you know, someone from like an up another up-and-comer. Because I don't know if you're going to be able to find someone established, assuming that LSU is going to lose a few of their key pieces from this team too, namely Nas Reed. So it's really up in the air what's going to happen with LSU going forward. But the outlook is a little bit cloudy at the moment.
1: Right. And uh, I do expect Tremont Waters to be back. I don't think he is a big-time NBA prospect. Um, but Najreed is, I feel like most likely going to leave. Uh, they do have two seniors, Daryl Edwards and Kavon Bigsby Williams. Um, but those will be the only two other guys that are for sure losing. Um, so they definitely still have a chance, uh, to bounce back next year and be a pretty solid team.
2: They do. I mean, it depends if, you know, what happens with uh, Javonte Javante smart as well. Like, you know, he's, he's the main player that's in this, uh, scandal with uh, that, that's got Will Wade involved with the FBI. And then, Schuyler Mays, I mean, he's another important piece that could come back next year, too, but I'm just curious, you know, what's going to happen with Javante Smart, what what he's going to do.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, um, see, I guess we'll move on to Kentucky next. Um, Kentucky able to squeak out a win against Houston in the Sweet 16, 62-58, which was a really good game. Um I'm sure that, you know, you got a chance to watch it, but, uh, they win that game, and then they lose to Auburn in overtime. Um, obviously, we're going to get to them in a minute. Um, but just focusing on Kentucky, um, like what kind of stood out for, to you from this past weekend? I mean, Kentucky's impressive. I mean, I really like this Kentucky team. That was uh, one of my national
2: champions in my alternate bracket and, you know, my alternate universe. And, and that's, I mean, I was really high on this team. I mean, I really thought this was one of Calipari's better teams that he's had in the past few years. And I think it's really just because he had a, uh, you know, a senior leader in Reed Travis and also a sophomore in p j Washington that's gotten so much better since he set foot on campus last you know over a year ago and he's he's developed into one of the best players in the conference and those two guys were really helping carry the team also you know Tyler hero, who plays more like a junior rather than a freshman, plays with a lot of confidence and you know that this whole team just grew in front of us like this from from back in November when they got blown out by Duke. And then as the season progressed, they just got better and better. But I thought this team was better than some of these other teams that Cal's had, like, especially like the team two years ago or the team last year, or a few years ago, that wasn't, not the one that had Carl Anthony and Anthony Davis, but some of these other teams that were like just, you know, two seeds, but namely the one two years ago. Like I thought this Kentucky team was the best team that Cal's had since the team that uh, lost in the final four that had Carl Anthony Townsend, Devin Booker. Like, that was one of the better teams he's had. But but he's got some pieces coming back next year, too. I think Hero will be back. I think that, uh, obviously, Richards will be back quickly. Um, I Those are the – and Montgomery. Those are the ones I think for sure will be back. Reed Travis is all obviously going to be graduating. I think Hagen's and Keldon Johnson and P.J. Washington are all going to go to the drafts, but – they're going to have some pieces back next year along with a top five recruiting class. So they're going to be right back in the mix again next year.
1: All right. I agree with that. And um, we can go ahead and talk about this now while we're on Kentucky, um, just so we don't have to come back to it later. But uh, it comes out today that uh, Kentucky and John Calipari agreed to a lifetime contract, which I did not know was a thing. Um, apparently UCLA was coming after him pretty hard and uh, Kentucky wanted to go ahead and lock him down. So I guess he will be at Kentucky until – he decides to retire. Yeah. yeah. And uh, UCLA came out with a
2: really lucrative deal. I think it was, I haven't really seen the numbers for sure. It was like six years and somewhere between 38 and 48 million guaranteed. But uh, with Kentucky, this lifetime deal, it's going to be 10 years. It's a 10 year contract. And then also when he retires, he will still be a paid ambassador to the University of Kentucky. So pretty much he's a uh, wildcat for life. Even when he's done when he's done coaching basketball, he'll still be a paid ambassador for the university. So it's a win win for Calipari. You definitely leverage that UCLA job to get more money from Kentucky and
1: get a lot more security. And uh, there's been a lot of talk this week uh, in the media, or I guess the last couple of days since the loss, um, about John Calipari just being like massively overrated, and he's not, you know, a great coach, and he's only won one national championship, and he's getting paid all this money. And all this stuff, but I I think I know where you stand on this. But uh, like, what, like, what are your thoughts when you hear stuff like that? Oh, can you repeat that? My uh, mic went out on me for a second. Oh, I was just asking about. uh, There's been a lot of talk about Calipari being uh, overrated as a coach, and he's only won one national championship. And I was just wondering what's kind of your response to that? Absolutely not. He is not an overrated coach, whatever, whatsoever. I mean,
2: I, I granted, I don't, I would not say that he is a the best. He's not amongst the most elite coaches in college basketball, but he is amongst the next tier, which is you know you know but, but coaches between like maybe five and fifteen. Like he's not Coach K. He's not Roy Williams. I wouldn't say he's uh, Tom Izzo or maybe even Bill Self. But he's he's right there among right there behind those guys. Uh, to me, it's Coach K and Roy Williams are staying above everybody else, and then you know there's a, there's short list after that, and Calipari is part of that, but. You know, look at his body of work the past 10 years. His last 10 years at Kentucky is better than any 10 years put together for Rupp or even Patino when they were in Lexington, but still fans are not satisfied with it. But it's really hard to win in March. When you have to win six games consecutively against teams that are just as desperate as you and teams that can match up with you, and especially, you know, when you don't play series like, you know, three or five games, and it's only just one game, Like it's going to happen in any given game that you can get upset. It's really hard to win six games in a row, and what Cal Perry's done in Lexington is remarkable. He's made more lead eights in the past ten years than any other coach, and then fans are unsatisfied with it. Give me a break.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of it actually has to do with how well he recruits. Like I think that he gets this expectation um, that because he's recruiting all the best players in the country that they're going to, just roll everybody. But you know, the truth is when you have all freshmen in March, um, you know, that's just not always the best recipe for success. Uh you know, I saw you talking about uh of the final four teams, I think there's one freshman starter combined out of all of them and then only one other freshman who's like in rotation or something like that. So it's definitely shows that, you know, when it comes to the March experience is, is really important. It is.
2: Uh, actually the in the final four there's only one freshman that's either a starter or in the rotation for all four final four teams. So, okay. wow. Like you said, it, it goes back to experience and experience is what wins in March. And that's why I always got to go with experience.
1: Right. And, uh, now finally we can get to the SEC team who's still alive in the final four. Um, the Auburn tigers are obviously just on a roll right now. They haven't lost a game in what, like two or three weeks. Um, I don't even know the last time they lost the game. But uh, anyway, they won the SEC tournament. And they, I mean, just look at the names that they've beaten. I mean, obviously, New Mexico State in the first round, the five seed. But then they beat Kansas in the second round. They beat North Carolina, the one seed in the third round. And then uh, Kentucky uh, in the Elite Eight. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just rolling through, like, some of the biggest names in college basketball and just absolutely dominating right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you beat three blue bloods on the way to the Final 4 and also the top 3 winningest programs in college basketball history. Uh, North Carolina and Kansas and Kentucky have the three mo- or top 3 in wins in history and you beat all three of them consecutively to make it to the Final 4. So yeah, this is a incredible run. I mean, Bruce Pearl has solidified himself as a legend at Auburn. This team is really loved at Auburn as well. I mean, they got this song come out right now. Uh, I think it's um Something about Jared. Uh, it's a, you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen it on Twitter?
1: I think I did watch it, but I, I didn't realize that it was like an Auburn song. I was kind of confused. It is. About it thing. is.
2: It's a remix of a uh, classic hit, but I think it's something like "We've Got Jared" or something.
1: Oh no, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny, but
2: there's there's a huge buzz at in, in Auburn with their fan base, and they really love this team. They love their coach Bruce Pearl this team's really likable. They got a lot of great players in this team, a lot of experienced guys that have been there four years that have watched this program grow. And I'm happy for that program. I mean, I'm happy to see what they've accomplished and they are definitely the team that can win it all. I mean, to me, this final four is, is absolutely wide open and there's not really a clear cut favorite in this final four group. I mean, Virginia has the highest accolades being the one seed and the only one seed there, but all four of those teams, I think have a path to where they can win it. I could. You know, Texas Tech is definitely fully capable. Uh, Virginia, obviously. Auburn is. Um, and Michigan State with Tom Izzo and that factor. And, and Cassius uh, Winston as their point guard. I mean, there's, there's a storyline for all four of them to which they can win it all. Like, it's, it's going to be a really good Final Four weekend. And I think it's the first Final Four weekend since 1985 that there's like six or that doesn't include a typical blue blood. And that's incredible. So, I actually like this scenario.
1: And I think it's going to be a good one for Auburn. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, You know, obviously the two teams that I'm pulling for the most are Auburn and Texas Tech. Uh, I don't don't know why, but I've just been really impressed with Texas Tech this tournament. I've just really enjoyed watching them. And uh, Texas Tech is one of those programs that, uh, you know, obviously me being a Mississippi State fan, they kind of remind me of them a little bit because they're – it seems like they're competitive in so many sports, but they're not – they can never get to that, like, elite level you know what I mean, a season. So it's really good to see Texas Tech do that. It gives me kind of some hope, like, going forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I love the job that Chris Beard's done in Texas Tech, especially when he lost uh, six uh, six top scorers from last year's team and then comes back this year and takes them to the Final Four. And, they're, I mean, you could probably make an argument that Texas Tech is playing the best of any team in the sense of a tournament. I mean, that's not to take anything away from Auburn at all, but Texas Tech is pretty much just – Steamrolled through almost everybody. Uh, I mean, they didn't steamroll Gonzaga, but they were pretty much in control for pretty much the entire second half against Gonzaga. It was close, but uh, they were in the lead for the most of that second half. And even when Gonzaga made a slight run at the end, uh, Texas Tech never wavered.
1: Yeah, and it it seems like their defense has been what's really stood out. It is like their defense has been great all year. I think the X factor
2: for Texas Tech is if they can get generate enough offense, especially from the perimeter. But if they generate offense and are able to make their threes, they're unbeatable because their defense is just so elite.
1: Right. And um, just real quick, I want to get your opinion on this um, Auburn Virginia matchup. Uh, it's going to be uh, April sixth. What day of the week is that? Uh, the Saturday. Yeah. Saturday. Okay, so it's going to be Saturday uh, in Minneapolis, Virginia, and Auburn. I'm sure a lot of Auburn fans are going to make the trip up there. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're if you're an Auburn fan, you're listening, and you have a chance to go, you should one hundred percent go because it's absolutely not, yeah, this is the once in a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. odds of you getting back to the Final Four aren't. I mean, I I know you want to be optimistic, but just being realistic, like even for like Duke and Kentucky fans, I mean, going to the Final Four is is not guaranteed ever.
2: It's not. And it's especially with Auburn not being a typical blue blood, like savor it, Auburn fans. You need to make this trip if you can. Like if you can make the trip, make it. I mean 'cause it's it's a once in a lifetime event and it's it's an awesome event, one of the best events you can go to. And like you said, like it's it's even if you are a blue blood, but this Auburn team is a team, you know, full of juniors and seniors too. So like there's they're gonna lose a lot from this team. So who knows when you'll ever make it back. I mean, Bruce Pearl is going to have the program being good every year. But I don't know if you're going to have the team that, you know, have everything rolled their way like it has this year, especially in March. Because this team, let's face it, Auburn was struggling and with inconsistency for most of the season. But then in March, everything just started to click. And they peaked at the right time. And they're playing like the team that we expected in the preseason. And they peaked at the right time in March.
1: Right. And um obviously we talked about the three teams they've beaten in the, the last three games with, you know, Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina. Um now they face Virginia a one seed. I know that Auburn's not going to be intimidated at all uh with what they've accomplished over the last couple weeks. But uh what what does Virginia kind of bring to the table that could give Auburn some problems? Well, the biggest thing is that Virginia is one of the is the
2: slowest team left in the final four, but not just the slowest but one of the slowest teams in all the college basketball. Uh their offense is is really efficient, but they like to uh, they slow the game down considerably, and they play in the half court, and they usually take shots in the shot shot clock like under ten seconds, pretty much always under ten seconds, but a lot of times under five seconds on the shot clock. So that's really going to limit possessions for Auburn, and that that definitely favors Virginia. Like, Virginia is most likely going to be able to control the tempo just because of how slow they play, but. If Auburn can start making if – they, if they start off really hot, making a lot of shots and put Virginia in a hole and we're to where they have to play a lot faster, it will play into Auburn's hands. But to me, this game is going to be all about who starts off strong and who's able to get the tempo controlled in the beginning because Auburn likes to play really fast and Virginia likes to play really slow. But usually the team that plays really slow is able to
1: control the tempo most of the time. So that's what I'm going to be watching for. So obviously they were able to survive without Okiki, who had obviously the really bad injury uh, against North Carolina, um, which was really tough to see. Um, Obviously, just a really sad story overall. He's supposed to be like a high draft pick and his team's on his run right now and he's not going to get to play. But uh, what do you think not having him uh, is going to mean for this game? It's definitely a huge loss. I mean, Okiki
2: was the hottest player on the Sovereign team in this tournament. I mean, he was carrying them in that game against North Carolina, too. Well, not just carrying them, but he was the highest performer in that game until that injury. But And obviously, he's the best NBA prospect on that team, too. He was a projected first-rounder, so that, it's a huge loss for them. And it just, you know, another piece, that, you know, the guy that can really stretch the floor and space it and the guy that can slash and also be able to hit shots from the perimeter. So it, it's a huge loss. It's just another weapon that they lose and uh trims the rotation. I mean, they had like a 10-man rotation with Okiki, but now it's down to nine. So it's definitely going to hurt them for sure, especially losing him as, I think, arguably their best player.
1: Right. So, in your opinion, who do you like to uh, to win it all out of these four teams? Oh, that's
2: tough. But if I'm going to pick one of them, I'm going to go with Virginia. I think I think they've been overdue for a few years now, and I think this is the year they finally break through. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Virginia to uh, win the Final Four and be the next NCAA national champion.
1: Right, and just like you said, it's just it'd be a great story for like all four teams to win the national championship. I mean, obviously Virginia, you know, losing to the 16 seed last year, making history, you know, and then to bounce back and win the national championship the next year would just be incredible.
2: Absolutely, and I I really respect Tony Bennett and that Virginia program. They're they're not an unlikable group at all. Like, I really like those guys, like Jack salter Center, and Kyle Guy. Like, they got some really likable guys on that team, and Tony Bennett's really likable, respectable, does things the right way, recruits a lot of guys that fit his system. And, I mean, obviously I love uh, Chris Beard at Texas Tech, marvelous coach, what he's done with that team. I've always loved Tom Izzo, how he coaches with all that intensity and always has his teams playing well. And then, obviously, Bruce Pearl at Auburn and how he's got his team picking at the right time. Like, I will not be upset with any of these four teams win at all. Like, I would would be happy with any of these four because these are not teams, besides Michigan State, these are not teams that you usually see here. Even though Virginia's had some really good teams his last four or five years, especially, you know, with a few one-seeds, like, it'll still finally prevail and, you know, get over the hump and get a national championship.
1: All right, and then real quick before we move on to the coaching searches um I'm looking at our s e c slow smoke group right now, and do you know how many people you may have already looked and seen this, but do you know how many people still have their champion alive out of the twenty five people in the in this group I haven't looked, but i'm gonna
2: I haven't looked, but I'm gonna say we probably have maybe four brackets with the champion left.
1: nope, we got one. Uh,
2: and I'm guessing that's Virginia.
1: Yeah, that's, that'll be the uh, sip and tea bracket from Rebel Forever 99. <laughs> so
2: I tell you, like most of these, most, a lot of people's brackets are shot. <laughs> I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some people that pick Virginia, but they weren't the most popular one seed pick this year because just what happened last year, and because of how slow they play, a lot of people didn't trust them to, you know, make be able to make the run because of how slow they play and how they d- don't like to score a lot.
1: And uh, if you want to know how I'm doing, uh, I put two brackets in this, and one of them is in dead last, and one of them is in fourth to last. So there's that. There's um, always next year. There's always next year. And what's funny is Mark Walls is leading right now, and I believe after the first weekend he was in dead last, and he's in first place. He right was. Now. It was. like
2: <laughs> That's why I say like when you follow these tournament challenges, it's people get so wound up about what happens in the first and second rounds. It's only about maybe having your – bracket busted and not being able to have that perfect bracket. But all in all, it's all about how you finish
1: in the Elite Eight and Final Four, though. Right. No, I totally agree. and uh, that, But that's what makes it fun. Um, all right, so moving on, um, Alabama hires a coach. They hired Nate Oates from Buffalo. Um, obviously had Buffalo as, a, I believe, a sixth seed this year. Is that correct? They were. So he obviously did a great job there. And I uh, was able to get the Alabama job. What, uh, I mean, what kind of stands out to you about this hire?
2: I mean, it's, it's a great hire. I mean, Nate Oates is one of the hottest coaches on the market, you know, as far as the up-and-comers are concerned. and He's got an outstanding story. I mean, I, I don't know if you've read, read his story about how he was a uh, high school algebra teacher just as recently as like four or five years ago. And he was uh, selling something out of his classroom. What was it, candy or something?
1: I haven't heard I haven't read this story, yeah, he was like he was a
2: salesman, but also was an algebra teacher high school algebra teacher, you know, just as recently as four or five years ago, now here he is coaching at a power five job less than five years later so it's it's an awesome story about how he's really worked his way up in such a short amount of time and Nate Oates is definitely going to win at Alabama, like he is going to win there, and I think he's going to have Alabama competing for you know incidentally bids every year starting next year too because he's got a good team coming back and being able to retain John Petty and getting him out of the uh, transfer portal was the first win for Nate Oates as the head coach in Tuscaloosa.
1: What do you think uh, the ceiling is for him at Alabama? Do you think he could turn this into a like a perennial powerhouse type?
2: I mean that remains to be seen. Just because you know Nate Oates is only coached so little, you know at Buffalo, but. You know, just based off potential, I mean, I think, you know, especially at Alabama, the Power 5 school, I mean, you could definitely have him be in a uh, top 25 program at some point. As long as you're a top 25 program in college basketball, you know, if you get everything, fall, you know, all the marbles point your way and follow your way, I mean, you could have a, a team that makes a run in March and makes a run to the uh, lead eight or final four. I mean, that's what happened at Auburn. I mean, Power 5 team, Power 5 program with a really good coach and an experienced team you know, he had a top, he had a top 25 program the last couple of years and finally prevailed this year. So that's all you can ask for in Tuscaloosa is just to have a top 25 program and a team that can possibly make a run every few years.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, uh, now moving on to Vanderbilt, um, still have not made a hire. Neither has Arkansas or A&M, uh, but Vanderbilt, there's been some rumors about Jerry Stackhouse, the, uh, Former NBA All Star and current assistant for the Memphis Grizzlies, um, does that seem like a someone they should be really interested in? Uh that's that's hire
2: just, uh, just kind of puzzles me. Like, I would, if it was me as an athletic director, I would rather go for someone that has experience at the college level. But uh, obviously, this hire is is like they're going for a guy that can recruit and also has AEU connections and that's what Jerry Sackhouse has like he has AAU connections from coaching at AU Vol at, at a previous stop in his career. Uh, he's also a former NBA all-star, which a lot of, you know, kids look up to knowing that he was an all-star and he uh, also, you know, coached in the NBA too, and a lot of recruits look at that. So I think that's what really ultimately is Vanderbilt's going for is a recruiter and hopefully that he will develop as a head coach at the college level. So because he's not proven as a head coach at the college level, he is a has been a head coach in the G league, but I think this is really ultimately a uh, recruiting move for Vanderbilt. If they ultimately go with the, with uh, hiring Sackhouse. I mean, if it was me, I would rather go with someone that's has college experience, but you know, it could end up being a really great hire for Vanderbilt. It remains to be seen. I'm not saying it's a bad hire at all, if, they, if that's the direction they go, but it's definitely, uh, you know, one to slightly question, but I'm not saying that it's going to be bad at all. Like it's just, he's just unproven. That's, the best word to describe it,
1: yeah, and it's almost like they're just copying what Memphis is doing by hiring Penny Hardaway.
2: It actually is kind of a mir- it's a it's a mimic of Memphis hiring Penny Hardaway, except Penny Hardaway played at Memphis and had Memphis connections. Jerry Stackhouse has no connections to Vanderbilt.
1: Um, so moving on to Arkansas, um, nothing really new, um, but just like we talked about last week, Arkansas's AD came from Houston and he hired Kelvin Sampson at Houston. Um, you know, obviously we know what Kelvin Sampson did this year at Houston and they had a great season, made it to the sweet 16, uh, before they were knocked out by Kentucky in a really close game They could have easily won. Um, is are, there, are you hearing any other names or is Kelvin Sampson the only name? And what do you, what would you think of if they were able to get him?
2: As far as I'm reading, I don't know if Kelvin Sampson, Sampson is uh really a candidate at Fayetteville. uh, I mean, as far as I'm seeing, like, they haven't talked at all. And uh, if you haven't talked yet, then that must mean that he's not going to be a candidate for the Arkansas job. A name that I think that can emerge, I haven't seen it yet, but it's just my gut feeling is they might go after Eric Musselman, who is the head coach in Nevada. Uh, Musselman is an outstanding coach, uh, has head coaching experience in the NBA, also experience, you know, Nevada built that program from the ground up. He's losing a lot of experienced guys and seniors off this year's team. So he might, might want to take the leap, you know, to a power five job. And he doesn't really have as many uh, connections in the South as he does on the West Coast. But at a place like Arkansas, you can definitely nationally recruit, especially with the prestige that that program's had in the past. And I think the fans in Fayetteville are getting a little restless. Like, they're ready to win again. And if they strike out on Kelvin Sampson or just don't go after him at all, I think the guy they might look to would be Eric Musselman in Nevada.
1: Yeah, I think that would be a good hire as well. Um, he's done a really good job there. And uh, like we were talking about a couple podcasts ago, he has a lot of players leaving this year. So it's kind of a perfect time for him to, to jump to jump ship. Exactly. Um, and lastly, uh, I mean, we're not really going to talk about LSU too much because it's not technically open yet, um, you know, because Will Wade is, hasn't been fired or anything officially. So we'll kind of hold off on that for now. But A&M – Still looking for a coach, Buzz Williams uh, from Virginia Tech is obviously the main leading candidate there. I haven't even heard anyone else's name be mentioned. Um you think I have, me Buzz, I Buzz think... Williams to a is pretty much going to be done?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say it's a done deal, but I do think that's the one candidate that Texas A&M is zeroed in on. And, and you don't want to get into a bidding war with Texas A&M because they have the highest endowment in the entire conference. I mean, you're not going to, at Texas A&M, so if they really want Buzz Williams, they'll be able to offer him more money than what Virginia Tech can give him. It's really ultimately going to be up to Buzz Williams whether or not he wants to go back you know, back to Texas where he's from and rebuild another program because he's, he's built Virginia Tech into a perennial ACC contender, and he's an outstanding coach. But does he want to go through that process again? I think he can rebuild Texas A&M a lot more quickly than he did at Virginia Tech. It took him four years at Virginia Tech to get him to be in an SLA tournament program. I think he can do it at A&M in less than three years, possibly two years. So it's really ultimately up to him. But if he goes to Texas A&M, I think the ceiling is higher for him there, a lot higher than it is at Virginia Tech, just just because of how much money um, Texas A&M has and also the great recruits that he can get out of the state of Texas.
1: Right. I did hear uh, some people joking around that maybe Auburn or or, uh, Auburn, maybe A&M will hire Rick Stansbury. <laughs>
2: well, he was a former assistant off uh, Billy Kennedy's staff. I mean but that was really what
1: hurt Billy Kennedy was losing Sansbury as his lead recruiter. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about Sansberry is like I, I love him. Um I actually met him a few times when I was a kid. Uh he lived right down the street from my grandparents and uh really nice guy and I I like him a lot, but he's definitely just kind of a recruiter and not really much of a coach. Fun to just in my opinion, um, but uh, that's pretty much all we got for basketball talk. Um, there's not really a lot going on football-wise, and I don't really want to bore a lot of people with baseball, unless you guys want to hear about baseball. In which case, you should tweet at us and let me know because I would love to talk about baseball. Even though Mississippi State just lost two or three LSU, but they do play Tennessee this week. JB, so maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe we can uh, watch the game together. Well, if you uh come up
2: to Memphis we can watch the game together.
1: I'm gonna to be in Memphis this weekend. Actually, can I stay with you on Friday?
2: Yeah. Uh that's something new. That's new news for me. But uh yeah, you can stay with me. All
1: right. Cool. Uh, are
2: you gonna be are you gonna be coming here solo?
1: Um It's kinda of complicated. I'll I'll talk to you off air, but i I need need a place to stay Friday. Absolutely.
2: Uh you know me. I will let you be here. So <laughs> You know, it's an open-door policy at my place.
1: All right, cool. Probably probably should have done that off-air, but we, we didn't really talk before the show, so I figured I'd just go ahead and get it out there. Two birds with it. one stone. Um, all right, so rapid fire. All ready?
2: right, so this, yep, I'm ready, and this week you are the one that's going to be under fire. So are you ready to go, Holt? I'm, I'm always ready. All right, so first question. What is your go-to Whataburger order?
1: I uh, actually just went yesterday. I, I'll get <clears throat> right. a number three, uh, which is the triple burger with uh, bacon and cheese and fries. Um, if I'm trying to eat healthy, that's pretty much all I'll get. I'll just get like a Coke Zero or something to go with it. Um, sometimes I may order something else like a apple pie or if it's if it's late night, I may get uh, one of those chorizo taquitos. Have you had those? I have or, not. Uh, but I
2: think I remember you. I remember you getting one of those one time while we were in Destin. You got that like at late at night.
1: And uh, honey butter, honey, honey butter chicken biscuit. Um, if it's if it's late enough for them to be serving breakfast, or early enough, I guess I'm never up early enough for them to serve breakfast. But yeah, that honey butter chicken biscuit is top notch. Yeah, sometimes I am out late enough for it to be breakfast, though. Um, yeah. But definitely go with that. And then uh, as far as the ketchup goes, I got to do three spicy ketchups that I like to dip my burger in. And then I usually have like one or two regular ones that I like to dip my french fries in, regular ketchup.
2: Yeah, and I need to buy some of that spicy ketchup on Amazon. Like they sell it on Amazon and I never have done it, but I need to because that's their spicy ketchup is unbelievably
1: good. That's one thing I'm going to miss about living in Jackson is uh Whataburger and Raisin Cane's both.
2: Definitely. Like I, you're very fortunate to have those, but uh, so yeah, favorite it because you don't know how much longer you be able to have that. Yeah. All right. So next question, I got another one here for you who or what is the uh, better comedy trio? Is it Adam Sandler, Chris Rock and David Spade, or is it Seth Rogen, James Franco and Danny McBride?
1: Well, I was gonna say the first one, but then once you throw in Danny McBride, that kind of sealed it for me. Um, like I, I really like uh, Seth Rogen, um, but not as much lately. Like early in his career, I thought he was really funny, but it's been a while since he's done anything good. Uh, Danny McBride, I like everything he does. James Franco is, you know, whatever. He's he's been in some good stuff. Like Run uh, pineapple yeah. Express was obviously a great movie. Um, obviously, um yeah I love David Spade and Chris Rock, and uh who was the other one you said adam Sandler yeah Adam Sandler so like, pretty
2: much like pretty much the happy Madison crew or do you like you know the modern you know james the the modern Seth Rogen and crew you know
1: true Cuz i I do love like some Adam Sandler movies, but they don't have uh Chris Rock or David Spade in them I mean I don't know that's that's a really tough question um The Waterboy is one of my favorite movies of all time and uh, Tommy Boy is my favorite movie of all time, but that's, uh, I mean, it's not because of David Spade. I mean, David Spade has a few good lines, but it's mostly Chris Farley that's that's running that show.
2: Right, and I mean, I couldn't say Farley because obviously he's, he's not around anymore, but, you know, when you when you do the Sandler trio, I mean, I could have swapped, you know, Chris Rock or David Spade with Kevin James or someone like that, but that's three that I went with, and then with Rogan Franco McBride, I could have swapped any one of those for Jonah Hill or you know, Craig Robinson or something like that. But that's the three that I went with, but basically just that type of comedy versus the other type of comedy is what you're ultimately
1: comparing. Yeah, I would lean more towards the newer comedy, honestly, just cause I feel like it's a little bit more built for my generation. And I feel like comedies nowadays are a little bit more fast paced, more rompies. Yeah. And ones from longer ago are more, you know, slower and, you know, maybe don't have quite as much going on. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think
2: 90s comedy is more like stupid funny – or not stupid funny, but like goofy funny. But now the comedy of today is more like just crazy stuff happening to people, like you know, right. I don't know, like situational, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Not like Jim Carrey or Will Ferrell types, you know, like <laughs> – it's hard to explain. Like they're not trying to be funny in today's comedy. Like you are just naturals. Yeah,
1: they're just acting goofy, right? So,
2: yeah. So the next one I have is uh, what is your – Favorite restaurant in Destin? Uh it can be anything. It doesn't have to I'm, be seafood. It could just be anything. I'm
1: trying to make sure I get all the bases covered. Um you know, I honestly, uh Kenny D's is really good. I never really give them a shout out, uh, but Kenny D's is is really good. They got some really good fried okra. And uh you know, it's just a good southern, like, kind of Cajun food type place. But I probably still have to go Buffalo Jack's. I mean, honestly, like, I like I don't think I've ever had anything at Buffalo Jack's that I didn't think was good. I mean, their pizza is not, like, amazing. But, I mean, it's still pretty good. I mean, it's still pizza. And then,
0: it's, obviously. It's a solid
1: choice. Yeah. The, like, their wings are good. Their burgers are so good. I, I love the seasoning they put on their burgers. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just really good. They're, you know, all their desserts are good. All their french fries are good. I mean, everything's good.
2: Never had the burgers. I'll have to remember that. And also, I've never been to Kenny D's. So uh, here's the next question I got for you. Uh, if you were a solo artist, would you play the piano or the guitar?
1: You know, honestly, I may surprise you and say piano. I don't know why, but, like, I've always, like, wanted – We got Elton John here. I've, like, always kind of wanted to learn how to play the piano and, like, sing. I mean, I can already sing, but also <laughs> also play the piano – and uh, sometimes when I hear like one of those songs, uh, I'll uh, I'll like envision myself like playing a piano in front of like a big crowd and like everyone cheering for me. <laughs> All right, so we got the next Elton John. All right, fans,
2: you listening? All right, so here is another one I got. This one was sent in from an Arkansas fan, and he wants to know how long will it be for Arkansas basketball to make it back into the play tournament, assuming that they hire someone like Calvin Sampson.
1: Um, you know, I don't think it'll be that long. I think, uh, especially if they're bringing in a good recruiter. Um, I I think just like one or two recruiting classes can really, uh, change the way, you know, basically change your entire team. So I think if they hire the right guy, maybe, uh, probably not next year, but maybe, uh, 2021. So that's fair. I would say like maybe 2021, 2022, they can, they can get back in contention. And, uh, thank you for, for, Sending in I they send an email or was it a tweet?
2: Oh, they sent an uh, email to us. Okay.
1: So yeah, you can send us emails at sec slow smoke or you can tweet at us at SC slow smoked on Twitter. And the did I say the Or DM us.
2: Or they can DM us too.
1: Oh yeah, that's also true. And the, the our DMs. The email address is sec slow smoke at gmail dot com. I don't think I said that right. I think I said the Twitter <laughs> handle. You did. Yeah, whatever <laughs> all right so next
2: one i got uh what is your favorite nintendo 64 game
1: mario kart not even close i would have yeah i'll go with
2: mario kart too i was gonna say goldeneye but mario all right
1: yeah. uh, NFL, uh NFL blitz 2000 was was really good but not as good as mario kart is just like i mean i it's literally it's like the same 16 i think courses and like i can just run them like over and over again and like never get tired of them Except for Banshee Boardwalk, that one pisses me off.
2: I think it was the Toads, uh, whatever Toads was. That was the worst one. I couldn't because I'd always fall off the cliffs. So oh yeah,
1: like hard. Cocoa Mountain or whatever it was. Was that it?
2: I forgot what it was. It was in the fourth level, but it was. It's not Toads Canyon, is it?
1: Uh, oh, you're thinking of uh, Yoshi's? Uh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Yoshi's. It's the uh, one where you're all where there's no guardrails and you could just. Yeah, you know, drive off yeah that's, that's that's Yoshi's one but it's it's and then there's like three different directions you can take like it's not like like the routes are like you can go like three different ways yeah that
2: I never did like that one all right so next question I have for you uh, what is your favorite type of steak and how do you like it cooked
1: uh I like a uh, bone-in ribeye and I like it cooked uh I would say the medium side of medium rare so like I like, I can eat it medium rare or medium, but I kind of prefer for it to be like right on the edge, if that makes sense. Like kind of like right on the border between medium and medium rare. And uh, yeah, bone-in ribeye is uh, I have one on my birthday every year. It's probably my favorite thing to ever eat. <laughs> All right, next question I got for you: What is your favorite team to
2: play with on NBA 2K?
1: Um, the Thunder. Um, just because I really like uh, Russell Westbrook and I like having a point guard who can penetrate and uh, kind of force the defense to collapse and get some open shots because that's really the only way I know. I like that. That's like the only way I know how to play.
2: I can respect that. All right, and uh,
1: here's a funny one.
2: What is the most – when you think of a white boy name, what's that name? Tanner. Tanner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell, me you've, tell me you've ever met someone named Tanner who is not white.
2: <laughs> I don't think I have. Uh, my, my answer would have been Landon. Land, yeah, had, that's
1: a good that's... one, too. <laughs> but yeah, those are, that's a good common white boy name. Well, I used All to. It's right, last... funny, uh, real quick. I'm going to tell real quick. But I used to always think Chad was the whitest name. But then when I went to state, I had class with Chad Bumpus, who is a receiver at mississippi state it was a black guy and then i was like well i guess that's not the whitest name anymore because i actually know someone who's not white named chad but anyway go ahead all right so <laughs> i got i
2: got one more for you this one was sent in from a tennessee fan in severeville tennessee and he wants to know what will tennessee's record in football be next season
1: well i have to look at their schedule um Let's see, from the east or from the west, obviously they get Mississippi State at home, which I think is probably a toss-up, but I'll give it to them since they're at home and Alabama, which they're not going to win. And then out of conference, they have, what, BYU? So Uh,
2: Yes, they do have BYU. So
1: I'm going to give them uh, five wins right there and one loss in their non-divisional games. And their divisional games are going to go – they're going to beat South Carolina. They're finally going to get over the Wilmush champ hump. Because that game's at home, right? It's a Ducksville. Uh, so, that's six. They're going to win at Kentucky because they always beat Kentucky. And that's seven. Uh, I think they're going to lose at Florida. I think they're going to lose at Georgia. So, that's three losses. And they're going to beat Vanderbilt. So, is that Then uh, – they're going to lose to Missouri. So, I got them going eight and four. How about that?
2: I think uh, a lot of Tennessee fans will be satisfied with eight and four. So, there you have it, SEC fans, or Tennessee fans, excuse me. Uh, Holt Smash here and April Fool's Day is saying, as of now, Tennessee will be an 8-14 next year. So I think a lot of fans in Knoxville will be happy with that.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, just like I said, I mean, they, there's a couple of toss-ups in there, I think. Uh, you know, I have them losing to Missouri, but I definitely think they could win that game. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Florida. Um, I don't think that they will just because it's on the road. But, um, you know, I, I think they could lose to Mississippi State at home. I think they could lose to South Carolina at home, possibly. Um, I think they could lose at Kentucky, possibly. But I, as of right now, off the top of my head, I'm going to say that they're going to go 8-4 next year.
2: Yeah, that's not bad at all. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the schedule lately, but uh, that's, that's, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think a lot of fans in Knoxville will be happy with that.
1: Yeah, and BYU is their best out of conference game, right? So I mean,
2: it is, it is. So all uh, right, so I think I think that wraps up our rapid fire. All right. So uh, hold, uh, you want to send us on home?
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I'm gonna let uh, B rad from the Boo do that um, in our in our awesome outro. I hope everybody likes that because I really enjoy it. Um, But anyway, thank you all for for listening. Uh, We love all of you who listen, and be sure to. Email us some rapid fire questions, or tweet at us, or just whatever. Uh, glad we we're finally able to get some fan participation this week. Um, you know, just make it fun. It can be sports related, it can be food related. Um, you know, especially like southern food. You know, if you want, if you want to ask us for some southern food takes, or just whatever, just anything. You know, be sure to uh, to let us know. And uh, until next time, uh, that's JB and Tinder King Memphis, and I'm Holt, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend, because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.